welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Hey, that's so abrupt all the time. It's uh, I really wish there was a way to transition the music in, but there doesn't seem to be. That's my door. Um, hi, everyone. I'm CJ Reynolds, and this is Real Rap with Reynolds, and this is Sunday Night Teacher Talk. Uh, and so before I even jump into my intro and while my wife is getting things kind of situated on her end, uh, I well, I just want to... You're not going to pay attention to me. I'm, I'm going to pretend you're paying attention to yeah, me. Yeah, just pretend because I'm not. When, I get my, when my mannequin comes in, I'm, maybe he'll just be my co-host. That won't be weird for people. <laughs> so I've really been thinking a lot about this idea um, of Christmas break, winter break is coming up in two and a half weeks, something like that, right? Most of us have about two weeks off. And that time, if this is your first year ever teaching, is time you're really, really looking forward to. It's time that we're all really looking forward to. The, the know that teachers have that have done this at least even one time before is that that time goes away so fast that you're just like, wait, wait, we didn't even, we didn't even enjoy ourselves. It's all, it's all tomorrow school. Um, and it's this, because it, it takes you a minute to like get into the flow. Then there's Christmas or Hanukkah or new year's or whatever else is going on and then before you know it it's like the day after new year's you're like back in school full tilt the the thing that i would impress upon you to do is one start scheduling that time now want to go to the zoo want to take your family out somewhere want to go to the movies like what whatever it is you want to do set those dates now because you will, it once you're, it's already the madness of, of the holiday season, right? So if you don't put those dates in now, then the chances that you're really going to do it become slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. The other thing that is important to note is that when you are leading up to that, don't go into it dead. Don't get to winter break and be dead. Like that is, it's just not going to, it's not going to benefit you, right? Because then there's too much recoup. So some of the little ways that uh, my wife and I really have been practicing this this year is that when we like, so we went Christmas shopping last night and um, Christmas shopping, we try not to put a whole lot of pressure on it. Sometimes we're just checking to see what we want to get people. Sometimes we're actually buying stuff, but we try not to, we don't hurry through wherever we are. So last night we were in, uh, in the mall in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And like, we were, um, like we like stopped and got Cinnabons and like went to like a spot in the mall and just like chilled and like ate Cinnabons. And it was a little, it was, there were a lot of people there last night, a little COVID feeling, but sometimes we're just, yeah, it was like a little overwhelming with the past year and a half of of the world and what's been going on almost two years now. But like, it is, it was this feeling of like, no, let's like just look at stuff and like check things out. And like, Oh, there's a purple mattress store. Let's go in there and check it out. Like, let's go. So it is, not getting so caught up in just the rush, but like enjoying that time. So like, stop, like, you know what? Last thing I'm going to say, I'm going to pretend you're listening to me. We had a friend years ago, Andrea, and Andrea got cancer. Andrea was dying of cancer and she knew she wasn't going to survive. Andrea was Christmas shopping and she went to one of those weird little places in the middle of the mall, not in the store, in the middle of the mall. Do you know what I'm going to say about this? Do you remember the story? And she got a massage 
from one of those places where you get like a public right. massage and I, you even said I last night last right you were like well because tell everybody what we did before we went Christmas oh we shopping. decided to go we went to a birthday party at launch and we were the parents that jumped for like two hours at least we were on and a then we decided dodgeball a very big mall on christmas shop. yeah we, we were, were exhausted. exhausted but i remember andrea got the thing so the and she said room. people were looking at her like what is she like who gets one of these and she told some woman that was looking at her she said yeah um i'm dying of cancer so i'm gonna make this like like as enjoyable as possible and like but i don't think you need if your circumstances need to be that dire like when you're walking through the mall and you see the massage place get your massage done right like you're walking through the mall and you see some cinnabon or some annie ends like you know tis the season to grow into your sweatpants so like um i just think that that is that is self-care and then you're showing up at winter break not dead and able to enjoy and you have things planned out and all that stuff that being said my name is cj reynolds i run this thing called C sunday night teacher talk which is really um i am the talking head but there's all kinds of other stuff happening in the comments here so if you're here live for the first time um, this is a, this is exciting because you could ask a question or you could answer a question because nothing really makes you feel even better than giving to someone else and remembering that your ordinary is someone else's extraordinary. And so we show up here every Sunday to have these conversations, dialogue around this thing of education, but also what it is like to be an educator. Uh, and we say, you know, I, I, I tweaked Seth Godin's words and we say, uh, look, teachers like us do things like this. It's a Sunday afternoon. You had off the last couple of days, probably if you're in the U.S. for Thanksgiving. Um, but they, you know, and then we're going back tomorrow. So er, while everyone else is just chilling, which is fine, you can do you do you. But like teachers like us do things like this. We show up on Sundays, we get together as a community and we try and figure out how to be the teachers that we're called to be. So with that wife, which you, we're in full chill mode too. When you have, when you're wearing the hoodie that you cut open because it was too <laughs> small for your head, full chill mode as Brody would say, what you got? All right, our first question comes from Michael is asking, how do you handle the big tests, big practices for semester tests and prep for state testing? Um, I, semester tests I put effort into, state tests I put little, very little effort into um, because, and here's why I try to, so first of all, um, there's this really great business book called start with the end or start at the end um, with this idea of like reverse engineering, right? Which a lot of educators will talk about. You start with your test and then you, to see what do you want kids to master? And then you reverse engineer it. Um, the reason I don't spend much time talking about state tests is because I have my, uh, so I do like quarterly finals, those mimic what you're going to see on the state test. So the way I ask questions, how many answers per question that I have, what the close reading looks like, how those passages are numbered, how long those passages are, it is meant to mimic some of those things that are going to be on the state test. And so, and to, to be honest, to be on the SAT as well. So the way that I switch it though, is that I rig the game so the kids can win, right? So like, um, certain students are going to get overwhelmed by four choices. I put three, um, kids, a lot of our students, um, and I'm sure people can identify with this, uh, suffer from like readers fatigue, right? So like they can't, they don't have the, the grit, um, to read through something like a long passage. 
which is why we do independent reading every week where you're allowed to read a book of any so anything that you want, right? So long as it's on uh, grade level or your level, right? So like um, that that's going to be, uh, you have to navigate that with your students and see what's best for everyone. But then we, some days we only read for 15 minutes. Other days we, I tell them we're reading for grit. We're going 25. So on the front end, just make sure that you show up with something you care about, something you want to read because we're reading for grit today. And I want to just, try to extend the student's reading ability a bit longer so that when they get to those assessments, they aren't like looking at something and going, I'm not reading this, or just start reading for answers. It's helping kids to, to do that. The other thing that I think I found really worthwhile is having students annotate what they're reading. So as um, sometimes like that's articles, sometimes it's in the book, like if your school can afford it, it's in the book or in the book that the kid is reading themselves. So if a kid buys a book, or if I buy a book specifically for a student that I know, chances are no one else is ever going to want to read. Um, like I've bought kids cookbooks, I've bought kids uh, books on fishing, on uh, marine biology, like, so those books, I tell kids, like, if you see something that's interesting, underline it, if you want to remember something, put a little parenthesis around it, or write a note to yourself, getting kids in the practice of annotating so that they can go back and remember underlining names, things of that nature is going to help them when you get to those larger assessments. Uh, but then we don't put a whole lot of emphasis on those assessments. And part of that also is that when I taught in Jersey, um, you had to take what was then, I don't know what it is now, but it was the HESPA, it was the state test. You had to pass that to graduate. Otherwise, you only received um my mic all the way over here otherwise you only received a certificate of attendance um and you didn't get a diploma in high school but in philly we are not there yet like it was supposed to start and then COVID hit and then it went away and whatever so it is um it's helping kids to try and like amp up their ability um but by doing that on regular class tests our next question comes from chronically speaking asking suggestions for instruction i've tried guided notes lecture, jigsaws, and so on. The only thing that worked well is annotating, annotation reading uh, the chapter. I don't want to overdo that one, but it seems to be all that works to engage them. Okay, so, um, so I, you know, I think it's tricky because it's, it, is, it is a couple of things. One, each class is going to learn slightly differently. Each class has strengths in one area, and then maybe next year you're like, damn, why is this working? This ruled last year. We were, they loved it. Um, sometimes it's forcing kids hands to have to do stuff. Right. So it's like, I've had kids that like there were years and I don't, I mean, maybe I would go back to this if I saw the need for it, but there were years where like kids would cheat and just look up answers online all the time. So I'd say, when you find your answer, I want you to tell me what page you found it on, uh, to make sure that kids were actually reading the book and not just looking up the answers, especially after coming back from COVID, I think that there is a lot there, right? The kids are coming back from COVID and they've been cheating for a year and a half, right? And and so, or they uh, they don't have, you know, that focus, that ability to focus, that ability to read for, for grit isn't there. So sometimes it's the uncomfortability of what we're doing. So not everything's always fun, but I tell kids that. Like when I, you know, so Brody started recently going to the gym with me and I don't want to make it first of all I don't want to make it sound like I've been going to the gym um I didn't for two years and now I go to the gym again but that's mostly because Brody wants to go but 
some exercises for Brody are really fun. And then other ones I go, yeah, this one's not fun. This one sucks, but we're going to do it anyway. And we're going to push through it. And that is, there's something there to being able to push through. So there's some things that suck in school that I'm kind of glad they suck because you need to like be able to know what your limits are and then exceed them. So I think it's about finding what helps kids. But I think, you know, part, and maybe you're doing this. This is why sometimes this is easier. Like if we talk about it, but like, um, if you're, if you don't have your kids connected to a why that's where you have to start. Right. So why is this important? Is it important because we have to pass the state test and to pass the state test, you have to do that so you can get a diploma. Is it important because um, whatever, whatever your reason is. Right. But there has to be a bigger why too. why are you doing this? Why? So I had a, I had a mentee once um, that like we were talking and she after we had that conversation, she had uh, remember this. Um, she put the. No, don't talk to you. Okay, my bad. No, I didn't say don't just, talk to me. I, I just, just love you so don't much. Tell anything personal that you should. No, 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 no. <laughs> but what she did was, she had the conversation with her students about what was their why, and then she had them put it on like a piece of paper, and then she put them. They didn't know she was going to do this. She put them all up on the wall together, made like this really cool display of what were their whys. And so that was a constant daily reminder of why are we doing what we're doing? Because my grandmom deserves to not work three jobs anymore. Because I saw what this did to my older brother. Because I know that I'm worth it. Because I know that I want to be able to provide a life for my little brother as he's coming up after me. Like those whys were so strong. And now school just becomes a game of like, how are you going to win? So that you can help the other people coming after you. So that's part of it. but. Um, I think some of it is is what you're doing. Like it's it's guided notes, it's lecture, it's jigsaw, so on. I think that for my from a lot of my students, especially in this year, it is keeping things to small chunks. So if you're lecturing, it's like, yo, listen, I'm gonna talk, but I'm gonna talk for 10 minutes. That's it. I'm only talking, and everything is I'm only, right? So yo, listen, we're gonna read for grit today, but we're only reading 25 minutes. That's it. So it's it everything is I'm only. Um, and then it just sounds, it just sounds like it's, it's like when you look at a car commercial and they're like now for only $39,000 and I'm just like, damn, only $39,000. And then I'm like, <laughs> another part of me is like $39,000. What? Um, but that's such a deal. So that is, uh, some of it is your language. And then some of it is keeping things very short and quick moving. So we're going to move through all, we're going to do all these things. But we're going to do it for five or 10 minutes each. And this this train is moving at a clip that you need to keep up because it's going to be, but that's, that's not just so you can get through a lot of stuff. It's so that you can keep kids attention. So you keep it moving, you keep it fluid. Uh, and a lot of different kids are going to get taught a lot of different ways, which means the chances that you're going to hit um, someone's learning style is, a, is the options are a lot better there. All right. Our next question comes from Anthony. One of your hairs in my <laughs> hair somewhere. Or, always. or Marley's hair. It makes me think of that line. What was it? Your hair is everywhere. Yeah. Dashboard, dashboard is that about? Dashboard confessional, man. Uh, okay, it's Anthony, not screaming is infidelity, asking, Anthony is asking, do you do you think having teacher work days actually makes the school year a lot shorter? Um, makes it shorter. I don't know that it makes it shorter. 
I think teacher work days, though, if used appropriately, are like one of the greatest gifts. Like, so what I'm interpreting that as is when I go to school and there are no kids and it's just a day that like we're required to get some stuff done in the building or whatever, or, or so we've had principals that have let us get stuff done at home. And sometimes that's better for me. And to be honest, because I have a very large, I have the biggest monitor that Apple makes in front of me. And that allows me to have like four normal, like basically what would be on my laptop four times. And so I can have PowerSchool and Schoology and Google Classroom and I'm looking stuff up on the internet. Like, bro, what? I feel like I'm in Minority Report. I'm just moving screens around. Um, that was a dated reference. But uh, I, I find that going to school. So like days when if there's a class trip and there aren't a lot of kids in, if kids got done early and we have a, we have a PD, but it's not for an hour, my, my pull, the social pull of me, what gives me energy and life is talking to other people. But when I stop that, when I close the door, when I put on jams on my, on my speakers, and then I just get stuff done, like getting stuff done in school when there's no one there is the best. I used to go in on Saturdays just because I liked it because it was like, I can fix all these things that I've, I've been looking at that crooked poster and I've been looking at this broken bookshelf and I've been looking at that pile of papers. And I've been looking at these things that are in the to be copied area um, or the to be filed area or the miscellaneous is basically like a, a tray on my desk. That's basically a junk drawer where I'm like, I don't know what the hell to do all this crap. I got to figure it out to have a day, a full day. Like that's like, it is glorious it's like your kids went to the grandparents for the day and you can get all the christmas decorations out from the attic and set them up and it's like i just think that whether or not it makes it shorter i'm not sure but i know that anthony makes it better like exponentially better i i feel like teachers should have a day like that at least once a month where i was gonna say i don't think you get any of this day. it's very very once infrequent year, um and now with the way the schools run we're not allowed in the school when the admin's not there. So um, look, we used to be able to go in on Saturdays and Sundays or say, stay super late. And I love that. I remember like going yeah, back up to my school just, and structure time. You can just get it done. Even on the weekend, away yeah. from your family, if needed, like, or you bring your family with you yeah. and the kids are chilling in the room and they're having fun too. Yeah, and like, you're all that. together. It was the best. The, old, right. the old days. Are you ready for our next question? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one from John. Like always. What are the top three Christmas gifts that you have received? In my life, John, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a movie coming out <laughs> called 8-Bit Christmas, and it's basically my life story. It's about a kid that got a Nintendo NES, like the old school, like Super Mario Brothers with Duck Hunt, uh, post the little robot that came with it. I never had that thing, but that was maybe the most happy I ever was about a Christmas gift in my life. Um yeah, I don't. I didn't help with any of that. No, what else did you get? I know you've got me stuff that I like. A surfboard. You bought me a surfboard. Oh, that that was my first surfboard. And I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna really I, go I with really that. Think it's I'm gonna go. <laughs> Nintendo NES, my first surfboard I got for as a Christmas present, and my wife got me. This is weird. This is how you know you're old. <laughs> my wife makes it has a list of of all the things I do that show them getting older. <laughs> And one of those is I have a subscription to the local car wash. And I go once, if not twice a week. If I go to the car wash and a bird poops on my car overnight, 
I will go to the car wash the next day. <laughs> we go to the car wash pre errands a lot. Yeah, I and then it's me and all the other season. special flowers that that park our cars in the front when you're done, and you wipe it down with your rags, and you're spraying that stuff on your tires, and make it all shiny and stuff like that. Like, and you just look at one another. You don't really say anything, but you just look at one another. Like, yeah, bro, you get me. You get me. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> done. Funny. Good question, Lopez. Oh, he always has great random uneducation questions. He's the man. He's the man. Um, okay, Jacob is asking, do you give your students a grade for independent reading? Seems like my students won't do it unless they get a grade. They can read any book they want, but they are reluctant to read, not even 10 minutes. Yeah, so I do. Um, and it's it's the same reason, because kids won't do anything if it's not for a grade. It, but to be honest with you, like, I, I know adults don't either. Adults are kids. motivated by no, but I don't think he was doing that. But no, no, no I don't. Think but so. people like we often want kids to be motivated by intrinsic rewards. Um, but teachers do stuff like for extra pay or like I mean, teachers act that's not a really good example because teachers do stuff for free, but but and we do it for that intrinsic feeling of helping kids, but in reality, um yeah, like you want to, your boss wants to work overtime. Yeah, bro, it's time and a half. Like so, but but I I, I digress. Um, I do because kids won't do stuff without making it about points. Um, I just make it simple. It's worth like four points, right? So all my point values are fairly low in my class, um, under ten points. So it's four points. Um, you get four points if you read the whole time. You can get five points if you read the whole time and you share what you were reading or you know, I connect it to the lesson, like, Hey, what's an example of foreshadowing or what's your protagonist doing right now? Or what's something about characterization you can share about that you learned in your novel. You get three, if you were reading most of the time, but I have like a clipboard with everyone's name on it near me. I'm just looking, uh, two, if you read half the time, one, if you basically just showed up with a book and you didn't do anything. So now it's basically at 25% and a zero, if you didn't read, or if you fell asleep, the end. And then I put those if you fell asleep or didn't bring a book or whatever, I put those notes in with your grade. I input them as soon as the class is done. Um, so like when we transition, the kids are doing something else. I just plug those grades in really quickly. Or my co-teacher will start teaching the next part of what we're doing or transitioning the kids into that. And I'll just put in grades real quick. I will say, and I keep saying that I don't, I, sometimes you just don't want to like stuff. Sometimes your admin rolls something out and you don't want to do it. You think it's a bad idea. You think it's terrible. Uh, and then you like it, but I'm going to say kickboard really helps with this too. It's like one of those things I can just put kickboard points in. Um, so it doesn't necessarily hurt anyone, but the kids like that sound. It's like the cha-ching of points. They love that. So sometimes I just do, uh, I'll do kickboard points as well or right. dollars. However, we have it set up. Our next question comes from Sean. Oh, he's question first. Love your content. Thank you. Thanks, How can you be yourself, but doing so makes you nervous speaking in front of the class? Mm. Um, I'm going to say this, Sean. I'm going to say from someone who suffers with really bad social anxiety and like nerves, I think the best method that I have found to take like my nerves, even though it's channeling through your nerves, it's like take that nerves and make it like super high energy. It's like you're running off of your nerves, but they don't defeat you. The emotion doesn't defeat so you. So you're shifting that yes. energy. You're still having that energy, yeah, but still you're focusing. So I talk a million miles a minute when I'm with new people and all of that. And that's mostly just out of my nerves. Yeah. Um, what you're saying there, I've, I've read something recently and I don't remember where I read it or heard it. 
But um, it is, if you're afraid of anything, the thing that lessens your fear is exposure to that thing. So um, I do think some people are more naturally gifted or, or, or it's just easier for them to speak. So like when I, in the beginning of the school year, my wife took a trip to me with me to go on one of my speaking engagements. And um, it was in tr front of like 500 teachers or something like that. And what what did you say? I could never have done it. And then you had technical difficulties and then you still kept rolling with your talk and were cool and calm and did both things. I would have been a giant. It would have made me literally, it made my body feel like I just wanted to run out of the room. Yeah. I could have never done that. I feel, I get nervous ahead of time, but I feel at home. Like I feel that's somewhere where I feel at home. So if you don't, I think what helps is exposure to the fear. And that doesn't have to be just standing in front of your class. I think that some of it is thinking about it. It is sitting. It is when you are having quiet time by yourself. It is going through that and imagining yourself walking into the classroom. The students are there. What are they doing? I'm not making it worse than it is, but not making it better than it is either. Like, don't act like everyone's like, we can't wait to learn. Oh, gosh, Sean's here. We're about to learn. It's going to be the best. Um, Instead, it is imagine it as it is, see things as they are, but not worse or better than what they are. And then live through that. You're handing out the papers, you're collecting the papers. Where are you putting them where you're done? So I think some of it is what is that sort of like envisioning. Um, I also think that being really organized. So like when you collect the papers or if someone's collecting the papers, who's going to do it ahead of time? Don't be in the moment making decisions have as much pre-planned as possible, have, you know, keep your talking points to a minimum, keep your, the amount that you're going to lecture to a minimum so that it turns back to on students. So you are, your lesson is totally dialed in and it's flipping back and forth. So you are more of a facilitator than, um, than a dictator in the classroom. And so I think that that's going to help you also, because you, you know, who you're going to ask, you know, where those papers are going to go, you know, what you're going to, where those papers are, everything's set up and ready. You are lessening the amount that you actually have to talk. And then over time, I think that it just gets easier. Um, I, I think that, you know, and, and some of that is I sometimes channel when I have nervous energy, I channel into anger um, and, and in a controlled way. Right. So like, th and this is for me, right. This isn't for everyone. Maybe some people aren't angry or whatever, but when I don't want to do something, I just make myself mad that I even have to do it or that it's happening or that I, those feelings are coming up and I snap my fingers, tell myself to knock it off. And then I make myself do things I don't want to do, whether that's go to the gym or go running or write or create something or do taxes or whatever it is. It is like, no, you don't get you like, this isn't me, like new me needs to be like this. Because so, some of what we're thinking about in this last thing I'll say is like, sometimes teaching is not just about pedagogy. It's not just about cool lessons. It's who do you need to become to be the teacher you're called to be, right? Who do you need to become to be to be the teacher you're called to be? And that person is, is it more confident? Is it more empathetic? Is it slower paced, quicker paced? Is it more student directed? Like what does your classroom need to look like? Who do you need to be to be that person? And then I, I utilize the anger that I just generally feel because uh, it's one of my like shadow sides. And that's a whole nother conversation, but it's like to push me through that. And then that's how I win in those moments.
All right, our next question comes from Carol. How do y'all organize your plans? I find myself unorganized and sometimes spend the whole time meandering. Uh, this is a great question, <laughs> right? So Carol, what I do is one, I don't recreate the wheel. So I, 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 most of my plans I have now are just like a reworking of things that I already have. It's very rarely something super new. Um, but I find, I, this is what I would do. I find things online. I find something someone else already did. doesn't mean you have to use TPT or something like that or, or spend your own money because there's tons of free stuff out there. Looking for Google, great, I don't know, dissection lesson plan. Amazing crucible lesson plan. Um, the best polynomials lesson plan. Do you know right? that I did that? For did you? Your did it work? For your for the cake, I wanted just a simple chocolate cake for your birthday. Yes, yeah. we're all chocolate lovers in this house, and I I googled the best, and that's how I found that awesome, yeah. amazing recipe. That and I it was the best, the best chocolate, chocolate cake. cake we ever had. Yeah. <laughs> so it is then printing that out, and so if you say, let's say you find two or three lesson plans, right? Like let's say it's not so simple that you just found one. You then go through with a highlighter. I highlight the things that I like, the things that work for me, the things that work for my class. And then I put those together in some sort of order, right? Then I reverse engineer. So I look at a, a unit and I say, I have five weeks. I then I go to, I think it's timeanddate.com. I print out free calendars at school. And then I go back and I put in, what are all the days off? What are all the days we have professional development? What are days that we have holidays? Um, what are days I know I'm not going to be here because I have court or I have like, I have jury duty. I mean, like, uh, or like, or, or you have court. I don't know what your life's about. Um, so what are, these are the days that I'm not going to be here. Or we're not going to be here. So this, these are the days I actually have left in that five weeks. This is where I need to get to. How am I going to get there? And then I start implementing things into those days and weeks so that I can make sure I get it all done. I can fit it all in. And then I simplify it, overly simplify how I do stuff by um, making every Monday basically the same or every every first day of the week, right? So like um, it might be every Monday, then every Tuesday we do basically the same thing. I introduce something. Every Wednesday we have this activity that we do. So each day of the week has, has a flow to it, a consistency to it. And then, then I sprinkle magic on top, right? So first you need to find the recipe. Then you got to make the cake, right? Which is it might be the easiest part. I don't really freaking know because I don't make cakes. But then you have to put the icing on it. But then how are you going to make this magical? How are you going to set it up? How are you going to introduce it? How are you going to put, you have sprinkles on top? You having candles? What kind of candles? Are we going to put this in a case? Is it going to be on a pedestal? Is it going to be decorated with crap around it? Like what's your whole table setting look like? Then you're going to that level of what you're doing. Um, but don't, don't overlook the meat, the substance of what you're doing. Um, for just the, the pretty factor. And I'm saying this because this is something I used to do is like this, I just want an amazing experience. But then I'm like, did we even really learn as much as I, we could have learned or did we learn anything? So it is, that's how I kind of holistically look at that. That's a really quick, we should do a workshop on that because I could really, I could talk for an hour on how I do that. There's a lot that we should do. There's just not enough time in a day. <laughs> there really isn't. It's not, that's the lesson we're learning. All right, our next question from Sheena is asking, I'm a new teacher and I took over four special ed math classes less than a month ago. Can you suggest a resource for engaging math lessons? I have several very unmotivated students. 
<laughs> you missed the help. Oh, help. <laughs> uh, so, I Shana. Wonder, wait, for math specifically, I just wonder if there's special ed students, are you dealing with like a dyscalculia or anything like that? Yeah. Um, so, one, Shana, I think there's a, there's a couple things you can do that your school might already have. Have those students all been identified? What's the most recent time that they have had their IEPs updated or their 504s updated? Um, are there too many kids in your class? Should they be in a small group class instead? Uh, what are other teachers doing or have other teachers done that have helped? So maybe contacting either your special ed department or contacting parents and asking like, hey, what do I need to know about your kid to help them find success this year, right? That's a really easy one that parents might give you some, like, especially if they're involved, parents of a special education student, then they know the ins and outs of the IEP and what is required and what's worked before and what they tried before and it didn't work. Or this is some stuff they don't even talk about. This is things they don't ever bring up in the IEP meeting, but you should know because you're teaching my kid because I know my kid. Um, that could be a wealth of knowledge for you also. And what are other teachers doing that are helping those kids? Um, because sometimes we're not identifying all the things that need to be identified in students, which is why they still fail in what they're doing. I would say, um, what are resources? One, I'm going to tell you right now, our Facebook group, uh, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk on Facebook. I guarantee if you put that question in there, you're going to have some passionate math teachers that are going to give you answers um, or at least suggestions on where you should go. Tracy Painter. Pinter, since she's math, that's her jam. Oh, she's already answering in the comments. Awesome. Find. And Chris Carson's in there, and he's a special ed teacher. He's awesome. a great resource as well. Yeah. Um, those are two. So can we just even talk about, let's just say, just because you mentioned those two people, Tracy Pinter and Chris Carson, they're always on here. They're always helpful. They are really, they are, man, that, that's what I'm talking about when I say, like, teachers like us do things like this, right? Pinter has a thousand things. She goes out more than anybody that I know. She's in she, grad school. She's cooking turkeys and decorating the house and in grad school and raising a kid. The and like, she's just like, she, she is, she, people would say hashtag goals when they think of Tracy right. Pinter a lot of times, I think. Um, and listen, Chris Carson, he just cares about kids. This is my Chris Carson. <laughs> he cares about kids. All right. And I love that Chris will find ways for every kid to find success. So, yeah. So if they give you advice in the comments, I mean, that's all you really need to know. But that, yeah, that, that's. And so, look, this is what I love about this. I don't teach math, um, but I there's people in here that do teach math and that know their stuff and that really care. And that changes everything. So, um, but so, so I think that coupled with some of those suggestions on my end of like, what are things your school might already be able to implement or other teachers are already doing or calling home are really going to help. All right. What you got? Uh, Rosalind is our next question asking, do you have any suggestions for holiday good wishes or little tiny gifts for students or activities? Um, I'm going to blank on the name. Whose name am I blanking on that made me that incredible painting that hangs in my room that I never even sent a thank you card to yet? The art teacher. Because you know what I'm going to say for this. Oh, I don't remember. That's terrible. I'm, I'm blanking. blanking. Because her, her screen name wasn't the same. Anyway, because um, I wanted to give her credit for this because she did a really great job. Um, I'm going to tell you what I do. I uh, buy things at the dollar store and then I spray paint them gold. And that's really what I do. Um, I find that customizing anything. So even like 
we went to a birthday party yesterday and we bought a card and then I had to customize the card. I had to like make the envelope real cool looking. I put like that had a pug, like a dog on the front of it. And I like got some, I, you know, cause it's not a Reynolds house. Unless there's a whole thing of googly eyes running, which that's pretty empty looking. We need to up, up the game on that. Um, putting googly eyes on the pug, writing a really meaningful and nice note on the inside or something that's funny. So it's not just doing those things. Um, it's it's personalizing it. Uh, and then I think it's um, so that I think spray painting crap gold um, wins every time because it's just funny and weird. But um, I think I really think that it's stuff when I think about things when I get people. So I'll tell you this. Whenever I buy um, a woman in my life a gift, right, whether it's for a secret Santa or something else, um, I, Lush is my go to. Right. Like so if you don't know about Lush, it's like this really great store that is something that I think people don't usually spend their money on for themselves. So it's buying them something that like you might not buy this expensive $12 bar of soap for yourself that probably lasts three washes, but it smells so good. You need to have this in your life. So I think something like that works, but I, but I really think that giving people cards and, and writing the card yourself, right? I like designing my own cards and they look absurd because I'm not a very good drawler, but I design my own cards and then I write really nice notes to people. I think sometimes that's the best thing you can give people is Even like, I students, really appreciate it. Yeah. I think writing yeah. letters to students and letting them know. I think it depends on your grade. Like you're not always good with this answer because you don't have elementary and elementary is just a completely different like animal when it comes to like the holiday gifts and little things and parties. Yeah. It's just not something that you do in high school. And then add on the layer that you're in an urban uh, like location. I yeah. feel like the emphasis is really low, especially in, then in high school as well. Like I'm going to tell you that I have spray painted crap <laughs> for kids before. Yes, but that's why your answer is the ridiculous ones work. It's because it's high school kids. I think versus... if I taught fourth grade, if I was James Pete, I'd be spray painting all kinds of dinosaurs yeah, and taking them in and be like, bro, this is why this is important. This is the kind of dinosaur different. you are. You're a T-Rex. And this is why you are a Triceratops. And this is why, like I would connect that and then send those kid or kids letters, send them home, especially in the holidays. I just feel like people like, they, there are kids. I'm pretending you're listening to me again. I, am. I know you're on the phone, probably texting Laura Green. But, um, <laughs> there, there are kids that are going to go home for the holidays that aren't going to get something great. That that aren't going to get the love. They're not going to get the attention. Their, their families are are not this like classic, wonderful Christmas or Hanukkah or or just time off that all of us have. So you could give a kid a thing, right? Like a book or something like that, or, or something even more expensive that feels like you got a gift. But I really think that really kind words of you're worth it. I care about you. I think I see how you struggle in class. I see what you've overcome. I see like just the sparkle in your eye and the way that you make that our class just better by being in it. That's something I think carries kids through a holiday season where like things are kind of dark. That's the kind of thing that kids hold on to for the rest of their lives. Um, and and I just think that spray painting crap gold and giving it to them is just as good as anything else because I've had kids go to college and they're like, yo, Reynolds, I still have that thing that you gave me. Are you the art teacher that you're talking about? Is she the one that spray painted all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she made those really sick spray and she sent me one. And everything. I know. Like, I just get like blanking on her name all of a sudden. Jordan. 
Yes. 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 <laughs> she did. She spray painted gold and it was all and like gave funny things away and like connected them and she said it was a hit. Yeah. She had success. I think she custom made all of her stuff too though because she's an art she's teacher. She's an art teacher. Hers was still yeah. looking. <laughs> Mine, go, I go to the dollar store. <laughs> okay. Here's a spatula. Okay. Our next question is coming from, if I can find it again. Oh, shoot. Take your time. We're not live. I'm just kidding. Want me to sing? Where did it go? How did it get moved all the way? Okay. Whoops, that's not it. Uh, it's from our next question. is <clears throat> from Facebook. On uh, John is asking, there is a big push for uh, equity in grading right now. No zeros. All weight work accepted. Grading only what they know. What are your thoughts about this? It's garbage. I hate this idea. <laughs> um, and here's why, John. Because, and look, it. I can see. I can see where schools are coming from with this. And even with regards to certain teachers that might be in the school, this might be good. Um, there's, there's so rarely a system that is going to meet all of the needs. Because I think, I think these needs, I think those policies come out of fear. Um, they come out of fear of like parent pushback, of state tests, of school pushback of funding. What if kids leave our charter school and now we're not getting the money for it? What if they leave our private school and we're not getting the money for it? What if they go to the other public school in the district? Um, I think it comes out of fear. I think that, that if you don't do work, bro, you don't get grades. So, and I'll tell you this, I have parents call me all the time where they go, my kid was out with a zero. He had COVID and I'm like, all right, bet. But I, and I tell them, listen, I'm not putting a zero in there to punish someone. I'm putting a zero in there because if I put missing or it's blank, no kid ever comes and goes, Reynolds, there's a blank for a test. Um, right. What's going on? They never do that. But if they go, how'd I get a zero? Now it's only upside. It's only upside from the zero, right? Bro, I just put that in there because I knew it was going to make you come talk to me. That's it, right? Um, so that's it. All late work accepted is nonsense because what if for literature, if you had a study guide and we went over the whole study guide and now you come in and you're like, hey, I want to pan this in, but we just went over the answers. What? So I think that I think the, the flip side of that, though, is that it is. It is not making everything equal means that there are kids that are out because they're out with COVID or they had exposure or whatever, and they come back and they get piled on with all the late work. I just excuse you of it. Right. Cause I know that that's not going to make a difference. It can make a negative difference on, on the year and make you feel overwhelmed or it's going to, or I have the conversation and go, listen, I'm going to excuse you from all that stuff, but I need you to be on your game when you come back. Now we're not missing assignments going forward. Right. Um, and, and things of that nature. And then I communicate that with home and I just say, look, there's already enough going on in the world. We don't need to give your kid 15 assignments that they missed because they list, missed school for two weeks. So we're going to excuse this stuff. Or here's the stuff that was really crucial that needs to be done. Let's agree on a date that this is going to be handed back in for. And then we move forward. And even if some of those are study guides and things of that nature that they can really just ask a friend and get answers. I don't even get caught up in that stuff because my goal is, do you know for the test? Will you be able to master content? And if if you cheat, like that's, that's on you. Like, you know, you're the one that's, that's missing out on that because then you're not going to know when we get to that final. But, um, I, I think that th that's putting so much onus on kids. And then we're acting like we didn't do the opposite forever. 
like where everything was graded and we were grading behavior and we were grading like every single thing was being graded. I, I think we're, you're rigging educators that are doing that are rigging the system against students um, that have been brought up another way. And now all of a sudden we're making this all like on the kids, like you only get graded on what you know. So like right now we have a grading policy in our school that we can only give as low as a 50 right? That's the lowest that we're allowed to give a student. So if a kid at eight, they get bumped up to a 50. If a kid gets a 90 for one quarter, they can, if, so if in first quarter, someone got a 90, they can literally do nothing for the rest of the year, because we've also graded, we've changed the grading system so that you only need a 60 to pass for the year. So you can get a 91 quarter and then literally do nothing. And still pass for the year now the likelihood of someone doing that is very slim but still i think we are creating these systems that are that are basically participation trophies for students and not helping kids to reach what they do and and then and then i think it's also letting schools off the hook of really doing the hard work that it means that if someone's really suffering if someone's really going through it if someone's really having a hard time if someone really has dyslexia or dyscalculia or needs a small group or needs a special program or needs special tutoring or needs therapeutic work done. Like then we are, we're, we're like alleviating the responsibility for all of that, I think in many, many ways. And so it's like, no, raise the bar, but then help kids get to the bar, right? Like that's, that's what we should be doing or lower the bar for certain kids because they, they, they need it to, to, to help them. Like, I'm not going to make you do 20 pushups as the assignment when you can't do one. Like, let's start with something different. Do push-ups first. Let's build that muscle a different way, then bring you back. So, man, we could go on that one forever, but. That's a hot topic. It is. He loves, he, John's great at picking hot John, topics. John, uh, John gets me riled up every week, I think. Uh, um, okay, another then, John. Another John. Another John is asking, um, how much reading do you assign for students to do before class? Or do you prefer to do most of it during class to make sure that they actually read? Yeah, it's the second part, John. Um, I, unless I have students that are like in an honors class, um, I found that, and look, this is one of those things, right? It seems like we are catering to kids, but if I give reading, kids don't do it. My students, I'll, or I'll, it'll, it'll be like 5% of students will do it. And I used to think, I'm just gonna hold them at that line and then you're just not gonna know but then here's what happens. You can't do anything in class. If the reading was read these two chapters or this one chapter or these five pages, and then tomorrow's lesson is based on that and no one did it. Now, no, then only 5% of kids can do something. So I can send all the emails and I can give all the zeros and I can mark the kids accordingly. But now, now not only do you need to, you couldn't even bring yourself to read a chapter or two. Now you have four chapters and I'm waiting for mom to respond. Then the next night, it's two more chapters. Now you have six chapters. You're digging a hole that kids often can't dig themselves out of. So if you're going to do something like that, I think that it is something that has to be individually paced work. So like, all right, you did this work. Now you're going to do this. Oh, you didn't do that work. All right. No, well, now you have to do that during class. And then for homework, you have this. So kids have the ability to dig themselves out of a hole, but we can't do group activities if no one did the previous work so we read in class um together and that takes up an enormous amount of time and it, it doesn't allow me to get through a thousand other things i would like to do if like if everyone did their work but that's just the nature of the beast and i'll tell you that over the years 
I, there's always some new teachers that come in and like, nope, I'm giving the kids, they're reading five chapters tonight, or they're reading a chapter tonight, or whatever it is, or they're doing this work before class. And then they find out the kids didn't really do it, or they cheated, or they didn't do it at all. And they try and hold that line so hard. Um, I just think that doesn't work. Um, so I, that's why I don't do homework, at, like almost at all. I, that's I'd really love to have a conversation with someone that has found success on the other side of that, but I just I haven't. Yeah, I'm sure it's successful for it's just for certain students. Like yeah, Randy Rebuy used to ha, he used to hold kids accountable, but it was I, I think that was I don't know what what magic he was. Maybe it's, I think it just is like part of teaching. I, what I see from the outside looking into the world of teaching is like teachers really have to bring their own personality into teaching to find success. Like if you're a hard nose like Randy, then you be that. If you're you're not loose, but you're you know funny and whatever your personality is, the people have to bring their personalities. I think to be successful in the classroom. Yeah. Um, whichever way you go. All right, our next question um from rosalind uh can you recommend short stories for 11th and 12th graders thank you yes so i do a lot of classics um and that's really just because i want my students to go one of the one of the, some of the feedback that i've gotten from students in college is that there were a lot of things like in the literary canon that they hadn't been exposed to that they were it was just expected that you knew so we do a lot of like um the lottery uh, we're in Philly. So we do, uh, a lot of Edgar Allan Poe because he was, he lived in Philly for a while and we could take trips to his house and stuff like that. So telltale heart, um, the, oh, damn it. The one about the catacombs I'm forgetting. Um, oh, damn it. I'm forgetting what the hell the, the story is called, but there, so, uh, now I'm just going to forget all my short stories all of a sudden. And there's a bunch, but they're like, and what's the uh, the one count no uh cask of montalato that's what i'm trying to think of so there's that um but so that is pretty they're pretty regular like everything that i do um i'm trying to think of i should just make a list uh john uh, lopez said the pit and the pendulum yeah that's a good one too uh Yep. After 20 years, we do. Oh, that one just came out. Um, and here's what I, I like about that. Short stories, I don't have anything that's too new. Um, but I, the way we balance that is that one of the things is like, look, we, I have a whitewashed curriculum, right? I read uh, Lord of the Flies, white kids, white author. Um, we read Fahrenheit 451, white people, white author. Um, we read Merchant of Venice, uh, white people, um, one black guy, there's some racism pieces in there that we get to talk about, but like white author, like it is a lot, there's a lot of whiteness going on in there. When you can't get around that, when you can't change the books you're reading. I think that, uh, even with a lot of those stories, I just suggested it is about pulling culture into what you're doing. It is reading it through the lens of something else. It is looking at Lord of the flies and going, this could be anyone, right? Like this could be any, I think this could be any, I teach all boys that that book could be any boys, right? Um, I think that there's a lot of that stuff there. And so it's pulling that in. And then when I really want to, I, I do a lot of like current events, a lot of reading articles, a lot of news 
stories. It's bringing culture into your classroom to help connect. Here's what we're reading to like, here's why this matters to you or, or, or whatever. But um, yeah, so I try and stay in the canon because I think that that's going to benefit my students in college. And that's the feedback that I've gotten from kids over time. If anyone else has a short story that they like or that works in their class, if you could drop that in the chat too, that would be awesome. And then um, Rosalind would be able to pull from that too. Um, I think that wasn't my strongest answer, wife. I feel like I'm out of questions. Feel some type of way about that. We only have six minutes left, and the Eagles game's been on for an, an hour now, anyway. Oh, you're trying to get out of here early? I'm not trying to get out. I'm feeling, I am feeling, Look, this on is a great comment today. from Rizzo. She said, The quicker we realize a success for, for some students is making it into school that day, the better off we'll be. And so, so but true. that, but so, Zoe, that is so important. But then that is often looked at as Zoe. Is that how it's pronounced? Okay. So um, that idea, though, is thought of as babying kids, as making it too easy for kids. But when you see a kid that comes in and it's like, you know, that's the starting point. Right. So there's not that's Mm. not for everyone. Right. That's why overly homogenizing education hurts because then we're saying it's the same thing for everyone. Um, And what we're saying instead is that it is meeting kids where they are and they still have to like SAT scores are still SAT scores, right? Uh Graduating with being able to pass the basic skills test to be able to get out of high school is still the same thing, right? Those kids are already starting behind. It doesn't make college any easier. But it's meeting kids where they are instead of pretending that they're better than they were, than they are. And so meeting them there and then amping it up. And so that's why I hate when people come in and they observe my classroom. You're like, you need more rigor. And it's like, you don't even, you don't know my kids. You don't know who I'm teaching. Like I have spent the time building the relationship, calling the parents, figuring out how this kid, how to best serve this student. And you just want to come in and drop some, you need more rigor in your classroom. Like what? Like you don't even know what you're talking about right now. So me, I know that education is only ever about students. So here's how I'm going to get down with this. Here's how I'm going to do this. Here's how we're going to do this. And then when you, even when kids see that, kids know that like what you're doing is not the thing you're supposed to be doing or that oh, you're probably going to get in trouble for this again. It is you build a bond with kids because you're like saying no against everything else. I'm sticking with you and we're going to grow from this. That's the only thing I care about, then I think you got ride or die dudes for life that will will do. They, they see what you're doing. They see the sacrifice. They see the change. They see the like. Now look, you you have a better chance. the The flip side of that is sometimes you do that with students, and they don't succeed. Uh, they don't get to the next place, and then admin or whoever looks at you and goes, "See, I told you that's not." And it's like, no, that's. It, that wasn't because of me, right? And I, and I do have to hold a mirror up and make sure that that's true. But if I see it wasn't me, and then I know in my heart that is because this student needs more than we can offer. This student needs more than our school is willing to give, right? So like, I can't teach a kid to read, right? Like I, 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 I'm a secondary education teacher. So when I get kids that are on a kindergarten reading level, and I'm going, yo, I even need small group for this dude, or I need I need interventions that are like far exceed what I, what I can offer. And the school doesn't want to do that. And then they go, how come they're not learning? It's because you're not holding the bar high enough. Um, it's because it's like, what? No, that's because you guys are not giving me what I need. I don't have the tools. I can't build a house with a wrench. 
That's all, and all we got is wrenches. Like, can we get a hammer and some nails up in here, like in a saw? And they're like, no, we don't use saws. They're too dangerous in school. Well, then what are we going to do? Build a house of wrenches? And then it's left for teachers to, again, build something from nothing, which is what we've been doing since freaking beginning of time anyway. So anyway, there's my final rant. We good? Oh, uh, all right. Well, let's Laura go. Green has a question for you. Let's do it. Laura Green. <laughs> She says, we all love CJ, and can we get a Sunday night teacher talk with Jenny? <laughs> Many times when she speaks, I find myself saying that. That's up to you. Thank you, Laura. Look, should we reiterate real quick? To all, there's Every once in a while, there's someone that's like, who's this guy thinking? He's like, why isn't his wife on the screen? It's because my wife doesn't want to be on the screen. She wants to be. There she is. I don't even know. There you go. Oh, hi, I'm there. <laughs> uh, you should do it. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Laura, you're making my anxiety shoot up. I'm sorry. Maybe you could just put your just hand kidding. in and your hand could talk. We'll put there some we googly go. eyes on there and we'll make. I think that sounds like a great idea. All right. You do have another um, question. Another one? Yeah, let's do it. A quick, it's a quick one. I got it. Um, over on Facebook, Shirley is asking. Can we, wait, can we get a Sunday night teacher talk? What if Laura Green was on with you? Just the two of us? No. It, it wouldn't be very teacher. You would start talking about all kinds of You, business. Laura Green, and me were on answering questions would be. Let's pull Laura into it. <laughs> All right, go ahead. No, who's going to help moderate? Um, okay, Shirley is asking, what's your ideas or pointer, pointers on group work? Uh, I, I like group work. It depends on what we're doing. So sometimes um, group work looks like uh, we're reading together in small circles. So I'll have like three, usually three kids. I think I think that fourth kid doesn't do anything. There was a meme about this at some point too, where it was like, there's a kid that does all the work. Um, the other two kids do some of the work and there's always that kid that doesn't do anything and then just gets points. So I think three has kind of been my magic number. Um, I like to give each kid a job. Uh, I like to make sure that everyone's reading, um, but they can read as much as they want. So if one kid is like, so when I used to have like, I'm just thinking like, it makes me think of certain groups of students where like I had this kid that was a really, really low level reader. But then uh, if you see any of my old videos, Ham was a really good reader. I'd always mm -hmm. put Ham with a kid like that because Ham was also, also, even though he's a total jackass most of the time, um, he is really empathetic, empathetic. And so he would never, he liked embarrassing people, but about regular stuff. But if he saw someone was struggling, he would work them through it. He would help them with their words. He would help them feel like it was totally good. And then he would take over and read. And then uh, he was good at helping me orchestrate those little groups. So you're looking for that. You're looking for someone who's a strong leader. Uh, you're looking for someone that's a strong reader and you're looking for someone that needs to grow. Um, and then when doing group work, I think that there's two other things I'm thinking about is making sure you're diversifying what you're doing because some kids are really great at leading and reading. And some kids are really great at like, building Legos or doing or, or creating things um, out of different weird resources you have in the classroom, or they, they're more tactile hands on. And then you're going to have the kid that really is good at reading and listening and regurgitating. They're like, I don't, do we have to do this? I don't want to do this kids. Cause that's not what they're good at. So it is mixing it up so that everyone is finding um, some, they are, everyone's good at something, right? Um, and then the last thing is I have kids give each other grades that are in groups. So it's like, all right, here's, here's the points that you get. Like part of your grade is like, I'm going to give you these points, 25 points, hundred points, whatever it is. And now you're going to figure out anonymously 
how you're going to divvy them up. So did you do 90% of the work? Do you deserve 90% of the credit? Do we all know that uh, old Tim over here, Tim didn't do anything. So like, we're going to like, Tim gets no point. We'll give Tim, we'll just throw him two points for crumbs. So it is uh, the kids are doing that. So then part of their grade is them divvying that up and knowing like who actually did what. So that's, that's my quick take on, on group work. Anything else? Um, there's a great comment. If I, sure. I, you know, I'll put that up because I'm passionate about that one. Do it. Reading instruction needs to be updated across the board. Hundred yes. percent, Andrea. Yes. Uh, we still we still pretend like everyone's on the same level, and then but they're not. And 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 there's so many documentary to come out that talks about the reading statistic in America, and I think the reason it's so high. There was a there's a documentary coming out on about reading in America. And it's so fascinating because it says one in five don't know how Americans are illiterate. And I actually think that that's probably true, even though that's staggering high to most. I think when people don't really know how to decode words, they you just yeah. really can't read if you can't decode a word. And I'll just end there because I could really go on forever. Yeah, that but one. then we over again, we overly homogenize it by just putting systems in place instead of people in place that are actually going to work with kids on the level that is going to help them to get to where they need to be. Now, not to say that all all programs are bad. Like, I think there's some really great programs in there, but it's like, are we even, but even some programs, how we teach reading, uh, people don't, there's still and being honest about that it. teach reading through guessing, through using context clues. Yeah. There's a lot of schools, people in our group actually talk about this. There's a teacher in our group that talks about it. Um, they don't actually use phonics based instruction, which we know look scientifically at, works. When I wanted to, I wanted my school to in, implement Orton Gillingham for a number of students. Yeah. And they were like, oh, okay, we can do that once a week with a kid. That's a great idea. What? Once a week, bro. That's not how Orton Gillingham works. So it's like, even training, <laughs> even once a week, admin, directors, heads of departments, and teachers need to be trained in all of those things. Where like we often have things that we're given to do that there's no training behind. We were like we bought Promethean boards for the whole board, but that school, but then we didn't want to pay for the training. So it's like and now everyone has a really expensive smart board and no one can figure out how to do it because all the videos oh. online suck. So it was like you couldn't even use the resources you had. And, and this is, of course, why Andrea says this. Her other comment says, I have a dyslexic son who jumped three grade levels in six months after intensive work. No, I'm talking about. Yeah. So same for our son. Like he has made huge leaps and bounds for um, an OG program that we use at home. Yeah. Homeschool. It's crazy. If they yeah. just used it in school. Andrew, you keep ringing that bell because I yes, think when you're more. when you're connected to it, right, when you have you had you grew up with the brother that was like it, you were like it, you have a kid that's like it it gives you a, it gives you, it opens your eyes to what that actually means. And things like dyslexia noting, like, this is why kids can't tie their shoes. It's why they can't ride a bike. It's why they can't like, you're saying go left. And they're like, what? And you're like, ah, um, the thousand things that dyslexia does is not just looking at words backwards or letters backwards. So you keep doing that good work that you're doing. She's a teacher now. Yay. Yeah. Love it. Love it. All right. That's where I'll leave it there. Um, all right, gang. Look, we were we were going to take off this month, but we're not right. This is we were going to take off leading up to to winter break to just give ourselves a break. But there's too much going on in the world. We're not going to do it. So we will be back here next Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. If you have a friend that needs it, if you have a colleague that needs it, if you have a boss that needs it, bring them back. And remember, like because it's not just uh, even. If you have someone that's great, that's doing good work, that you think can answer questions in the comment section, we appreciate it. You can also go right over to our um, to our Facebook group, 
Real Rap with Reynolds, Teacher Talk, um, all this stuff. The conversation keeps going 24 hours a day. It's all over the world. Uh, there are people talking about every conceivable subject with every conceivable problem um, from every conceivable part of the world. It is always amazing to us. Um, and then you can just follow us on social if you need to or or go anything you need. You can reach us at realrapwithreynolds.com. Um, and we're happy to help with anything that we can. Cool. That's it, gang. I hope that you have the most wonderful thing. And, and look, back to what I said in the beginning, plan out those days off and and, and get yourself a Cinnabon when you're walking through the mall. Uh, and then just, you know, you're walking anyway. It's basically exercise. You can handle <laughs> no, it. I don't think you can, you can handle that Cinnabon because you just, you know, it'll even itself out. That's what I think. Just mm. take the stairs over the escalator. That's there it, everybody. Go. See you next week. Peace. Yeah.